Welcome to the Dreamcatcher Podcast, a place where your dreams can find a voice. I'm your host, Celine Chenoy. Thank you to all of you who return every week to tune in to become a better version of yourself. Make sure you hit subscribe if you haven't already, and rate our show if you enjoyed this episode. The ability to interpret, express, and respond to our emotions is essential for success. Some experts say that it's even more important than our IQ. Unfortunately, not many of us were taught how to identify and process our emotions, and that can make life a lot harder. To tell us more about how we can build our emotional intelligence, I invited Dr. Mark Brackett, who wrote a hugely popular book called Permission to Feel. Dr. Mark Brackett is the founding director of the Yale Center of Emotional Intelligence and a professor in the Child Studies Center at Yale University. He has published over 150 scholarly articles, received numerous awards, and is regularly featured in popular media outlets. In this interview, Mark is going to inspire us with a new mindset around the power of emotions, offering advice on how we can understand our own and others' emotions. He also provides innovative strategies to boost emotional intelligence and undo unhealthy patterns we may have developed over the years. As always, if you like what you heard, please don't forget to like, rate, share, and subscribe to this podcast. Thank you. Hello, Mark. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you very much. How are you? I'm doing perfect. I just want to say I so appreciate you making the time to be here and share your immense knowledge on um, all things emotions. We're just so excited to hear what you have to share with us. I appreciate that. Thank you. (laughs) All right. So I just finished reading your book, Permission to Feel. And all I can say is, wow. I mean, what an eye opener it's been. I consider myself a pretty self-aware person, having read a lot of books on social and emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I learned from your book really took things to the next level. And I'm I'm sure that will be the case for everyone who reads it. So thank you so much for writing such a great guide. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. All right. So tell me, Mark, uh, what motivated you to write this book? I mean, I know your story after reading the book, um, but why didn't you tell our listeners about what were some of the early experiences that led to your curiosity about emotional intelligence? Yeah, well, as you know, from reading my book, I had a pretty difficult childhood um, from abuse to bullying. And um, I was blessed that I had an uncle, you know, in my life, my uncle Marvin, who, you know, the title of my book is Permission to Feel. And I, I feel blessed that he was the adult who gave me that permission to be my true, full feeling self. So when I was feeling alienated and angry and sad and all these other strong, mostly unpleasant feelings, you know, he validated them. He didn't tell me to toughen up or he wasn't afraid to talk about them. And, um, you know, as I got older um, and suffered more, you know, with anxiety, um, you know, in college and beyond college, I started thinking about my relationship with my uncle and how helpful he was. And I realized that what I wanted to do was 
helped my uncle take the ideas that he had been developing, you know, 30 years prior in his little classroom in upstate New York and like make them a full fledged thing. And so pulled him out of retirement um, and we started writing a curriculum. Uh, and that was the beginning of my career, which led me to then get my doctorate in psychology and, and eventually, you know, get to a place like Yale and have that center. Oh, that's great. Um, did you feel the need to go through any therapy or anything to deal with any of the issues that you that you had to go I'm through? I'm a firm believer that you get all the help you need in life. Mm -hmm. And so I was blessed uh, also, you know, in that early in my life, while my parents didn't really know what to do with me or how to manage, you know, help me manage my feelings. They did give me the opportunity to see a therapist. Very helpful as a young child. Um, and then even as a, as a college student, you know, I went for therapy um, and I've done coaching, you know, in my professional life. I think it's always good to have somebody with whom you can talk about your feelings. As you said, I think you're really lucky to have had parents um, allow you to get to reach out to therapists and get that kind of guidance so at such an early phase in their life, because that's that isn't the case for so many people. They don't have that kind of compass directing them to uh, places where they can kind of develop themselves emotionally. Yeah, I think my parents were psychologically minded. Like they knew, like, this is out of my territory. I don't know how to deal with this. You know, my kid is suffering. And so they were smart to get me the help that I needed. Uh -huh. But I think importantly, you know, part of the reason why I wrote my book is that I feel we need an emotion revolution. And so, you know, while my therapist was helpful, you know, in, you know, fifth or sixth grade, you know, when I was, you know, really going through my difficult times, um, you know, I went back home and my parents were fighting a lot and had anxiety problems that weren't dealt with very well. And I went to school and I got bullied there. And so, you know, it doesn't necessarily help to move a child forward when only the child is getting the help that they need, right? Like the people who are around the child, the teachers, the parents, the community also need to be building their emotional intelligence skills. And that's right. kind of my vision. And what advice do you have for people who live in a family unit or even a workplace environment where people aren't that, um, yeah, they're not that emotionally mature? Like what, what can they do if they, if they don't have any control over the people around? It's hard. You know, it's very hard because the if everybody's not playing by the same kind of guidelines, then, you know, you're like if your boss doesn't believe that how you feel matters, right? It's, it's hard to be motivated to go to work each day, right? right? Because part of, you know, that relationship you know, is built upon trust. It's built upon, can I be my true self with you? Can I be authentic with you and real? And if you don't feel that way, um, it's hard. And so um, I think I wrote something in my book around that maybe um, in the future when people are going for their job interviews, they'll say things like, well, how does it feel to work for you? <laughs> right? How does it feel uh, to work in this organization? Yeah. And um, the answer to that will, in part, support people in making the best decisions for their careers. 
Yeah, because I think that has a huge impact on you. You spend so much time in the office. Well, right now, most people are working remotely, but even even if you're meeting on Zoom or whatever, it you still feel that energy, you know, from other people. Yeah. Yeah. So, Mark, why do emotions have such a big impact on us? Why does it why does it have this power to totally override rational thinking? Because sometimes we know things on a conscious level, but no matter what we do, we go with how we feel. So what, why does that happen? Well, I think a couple of things. Sometimes we don't go with how we feel, right? And that can be problematic. We go with how we well, think. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, really getting at your question is that what we, what we should all understand is that emotions are the drivers, right, of so much of our operation. So they drive how we think, or, or at least inform how we think. They drive, you know, our decision making. They drive whether or not we want to talk to people and be in relationship with them. Our physical and our mental health, you know, our creativity, our everyday kind of performance. And so that's, you know, in chapter two of my book, I really go into a lot of detail about that because I feel like people need to hear the science and, you know, the stories, you know, my own story, um, you know, it does resonate with people and I felt the need to be authentic in my own book, but a lot of people, you know, they're going to make decisions around teaching emotional intelligence, whether it be a school or a workplace based on the science, right? Does this, does this make a difference? Does it help people think more clearly? Does it help people have better health? Does it help people make and build better relationships? Mm -hmm. And does it improve the bottom line of the company? And the answer is yes to all of the above. And it's also important to define these concepts. You know, when we talk about like that person is emotional, right? It's like that is a negative connotation, right? It means that they cry a lot, that they're, you know, histrionic, right? That they can't control their feelings. But when we say that person has emotional intelligence, Right? It says, oh, that person uses their emotions wisely. That person is aware of their own and other people's emotions. That person has language to describe emotions. That person has strategies to manage emotions in helpful ways. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, that's the framework you know, that we operate from, is that when we learn how to use our emotions wisely, you know, we can achieve our goals. We can build and maintain healthy relationships. We can have greater life satisfaction. Mm -hmm. So it's about maintaining that equilibrium. It's about being an emotion scientist, right? And so when you're an emotion scientist about your own and other people's feelings, you're curious, you're open, you're flexible. You, um, you want to get specific and granular about your emotions mm -hmm. um, as opposed to, you know, what I call the emotion judge who's closed and critical, who, you know, tells people how they're feeling or judges them for their feelings, thinks emotions are good and bad. Um, want to move away from that thinking and move towards the thinking that um, emotions are valuable sources of information. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I love the term emotional scientists. Um, and the framework that you created around that, the ruler skills of an emotional scientist. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So I was very fortunate that I was the 
student of the founders of the theory of emotional intelligence, Peter Salovey and Jack Mayer. Um, and so the ruler is an outgrowth of their research, which is that there are five discrete skills that we can learn um, and apply in our everyday lives to be healthier, happier, and more effective. And that's recognizing our own and others' emotions. So being aware of how you're feeling, aware of how I'm feeling. It's understanding the causes and the consequences of our emotions, knowing how and when um, to, you know, label our emotions in you know, specific and accurate ways, um, and how to express our emotions to people in ways that communicate how we feel. And then finally, um, the skill of regulating, you know, do I have the strategies to manage my emotions? Um, so that I can deal with life's ups and downs and help other people manage their stress, help my child deal with their frustration or annoyance. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for breaking that mm-hmm. down for us. You know, what was my favorite part? It was the, um, the, the chapter where you wrote about emotional vocabulary, uh-huh. about expanding our emotional vocabulary. I mean, as a writer, I'm a kind of kind of biased because I have a love for words, but I thought it's so interesting that just by simply having the right word to describe how we feel, we can, that can actually heal us, that can actually, you know, um, help us transform our state. So I thought that was um, absolutely brilliant and gave me a lot of breakthroughs um, because I remember, like, I read something about how the ancient Greeks had different ways to describe love. Because mm-hmm. I'm sure you've heard of that. They've got different, they break it down to different kinds of love. Yeah. You know, that's an example of how there are so many shades within that emotion of love. So, um, yeah, I just really, I, I really love that part of the book. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, it for me, it's freedom. You know, I always argue that it is, you know, a human right to have the words to describe your inner experiences. And, you know, we learn vocabulary, you know, for math and science, but what about the vocabulary that gives our life meaning? The vocabulary that helps us to communicate our needs to the people that we care about and that we need support from. Um, And also, you know, it's a guide towards supporting people and regulating their emotions effectively. You know, I always joke about the difference between being stressed and anxious and overwhelmed and, you know, they're different. And we all just use the common term stressed, but yet maybe we're feeling something different. And then we wonder why all the stress management strategies that we were using aren't working. And it's not because those strategies don't work. It's because probably you're using the wrong strategy to support the actual real feeling that you're having. Yeah, and I think these are the words that people see in pop culture and in, in the media. So that's why they tend to use mm-hmm. a few of them, you know, that, they, that they're exposed to. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, yeah. So h- how can they expand their emotional vocabulary? Do you have any uh, quick tips? Yeah, I mean, as you know. Besides you know, reading a book. <laughs> <laughs> well, the inside cheat sheet, right, has the mood meter tool. Which oh, yeah, the mood meter. Oh, I absolutely love the mood meter. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that tool was originally developed by my colleague, David Caruso, and then we yeah. expanded it together 
to be these four colors with the feeling words. Um, we also have an app called the Mood Meter app um, that is available to download. And we're actually building a new version of that app as I speak. That's okay. going to be super cool with lots of different strategies to help people have greater well-being. What is it called? What is the name of the app? Um, can't share that name yet. Okay. Who's the other one? <laughs> it's just moodmeterapp.com. Moodmeterapp.com. Yeah, okay. you just go to moodmeterapp.com and you can download it for Android or for um, iOS. Okay. And uh, the new one will be released soon. And we're still in the naming process of it. Okay. And it's beyond the Moodmeter. It's the Moodmeter with uh, strategies. Oh, great. That sounds exciting. It's going to be very cool. I'm very, very excited about it. Yeah. We'll keep an eye out for that. If we've had a, a difficult childhood or if we didn't have very good role models, is there a way to undo unhealthy patterns that we may have picked up in our younger years? Definitely. You know, the good news is that our brains are always in learning mode if we want them to be. The good news is that we can learn new language, we can learn new strategies and try to apply those strategies on a daily basis, right, to to support us in having greater mental health, you know, and wellness. Um, you know, I think a lot about this because I didn't have a healthy emotional development, you know, until I was later in my teens when I, my uncle came into my life. Um, and the role models that I had didn't have, you know, my parents didn't have an emotion education. I always make the parallel to the martial arts because I became quite skilled in the martial arts. Mm -hmm. um, I have a fifth degree black belt in a Korean martial art called Hapkido. And, you know, there's a yellow belt. You. <laughs> there you go. Um, you know, there's a yellow belt, a blue belt, a red belt, a black belt, and first degree. And you have, you have to learn all these kicks and punches and, um, and I always thought, like, where do we get that for our emotional life? You know, we get what we call, you know, the informal learning, you know, which is observing our parents, observing our teachers, television, social media. Um, and there's no guarantee that you're learning the helpful stuff there. And, um, and so that means that most of us, you know, are um, recipients, you know, of lots of unhelpful ways of dealing with our feelings, you know, and, you know, my mother, for example, whenever she was upset, she goes, oh, I'm having a breakdown. You know, so I just heard, I'm I heard my mother saying, I'm having a breakdown over and over and over again, you know, as a kid. Yeah. And, then and I you absorbed that like a sponge when you were. Oh yeah. Yeah. Even about five years ago, I was on a flight with somebody that was really overwhelmed. And she said, how you doing? I'm, like, I'm having a breakdown. <laughs> it's like, there goes mommy. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I caught myself and I'm like, you know, Mark, come on, you got better strategies than that. Uh, so even you have to remind yourself sometimes. Every day. Are you kidding me? Yeah. You know, we all go into survival mode, especially oh, yeah. these very difficult times. I'm glad times. you say that. <laughs> you know, living in a pandemic. pressure to be perfect all the time, right? Especially in someone like you. I mean, you in this profession, people would expect you to be like Zen all the time. Yeah, I always tell people I'm emotionally a basket case. <laughs> oh, that's good. It means I can be yeah. messed up. I'm like, we yeah, what we most need to learn, you know. Yeah, okay. it's all good. You know, it's a. This is why this work is life's work. Mm -hmm. 
um, always people say, well, like, now that I've read your book, you know, am I emotionally intelligent? I'm like, you like maybe one point higher, right? You got to read it 10 times and you got to practice it for the next 10 years. And then you'll get, you know, more skilled. Um, and I think actually, you know, living during the last year in this pandemic has been the ultimate teacher of emotional intelligence, oh, right? Yeah. Because so many of us who thought, okay, I got these skills, I'm done. And then we're, you know, locked up in our homes with our partners that we are not used to being with all day long with other relatives. We don't go to work, you know, kids, dogs, whatever it is. And all of a sudden you're like, uh, I really need more training in emotional intelligence. Yeah. And, um, yeah. It's good. Yeah. That makes it, that's, that means it's, you know, we're all works in progress and it keeps us having a growth mindset. Totally agree with you. I mean, I, I'm an aunt and I have, I have a niece and nephew and I see them growing up and sometimes I'm concerned about the, the way that they are parented. I mean, what, what can someone like me in my position do to have a positive influence on their emotional development? Because I, I mean, obviously I'm not, a, I'm not their parents. So mm-hmm. what, would, what, what can I do to help somebody like that? You can be an Uncle Marvin. Oh, yes, of course. (laughs) And Celine. Um, And so I think it's about being the role model, right? Yeah, I'm trying. So, I mean, that's the best you can do. And also be a good listener. You know, be that person. If you're the person that that they want to go to, right, then you've done your job. Yeah. And so what, what is it? What will it take? What will you need to do in order to be that person? right, that your nieces and nephews go to, to talk about their feelings. That's something you can think about for the next couple of years (laughs) and then practice it. Yeah. I mean, I've left the door open. Like I can't force them, you know, so yeah. Plus they see the work. You can't force them. So you, but you don't want to be passive about it either, right? You don't want to just leave your door open. You want to invite people in. Yeah. Yeah, I know. So, I know. You know. It starts with that simple question, like asking them how they're feeling, right? And really listening, you know, not being the judge, being the compassionate emotion scientist aunt, um, and then growing from there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely going to do that. My niece is old enough. I mean, she's 18, so I can start doing that with her, but my nephew's much younger. So going to wait for him to grow up a little bit. <laughs> so. Okay, Mark, just... What can we do? Okay. What can we do to increase awareness about the importance of regulating regulating our emotions, especially if we're in a leadership position? You know, we're a parent, a teacher, or, um, a leader of an organization. What are your suggestions? Where can we start? Well, I think the um, it all starts with giving ourselves and everyone the permission to be their true full feeling selves. And I think that's the core, you know, of the work is acknowledging that how we feel matters, not judging those feelings. There's no such thing as a good or a bad emotion. And just like exuding that and accepting of people's feeling states. I think that leads us to kind of being those curious emotion scientists which leads us to helping ourselves and the people we care about to develop the skills of emotional intelligence. Um, 
And I think it's just an iterative, it's just an iterative process. You know, it's like every day doing that check-in with oneself, checking with other people, listening, not trying to solve their problems for them, but co-construct and support them and thinking differently or uh, learning a new strategy to help them manage their feelings. And I think it's, it's about making it an everyday practice. Mm. And um, I, I think that's the way we can grow individually. It's the way we can grow collectively. Yeah. I think like also really holding that space, right. For people and just like, as you said, just listen to them and encourage them to, to talk. Correct. Yeah. It's, it's not, you know, it's effortful because, you know, it's, it's, we have to be a little bit vulnerable, right. We have to give a little bit of ourselves and we have to demonstrate that we're not, you know, happy all the time. Um, yeah. But I think that's what we have to do. We have to demonstrate that we're real oh. feelings people. Yeah, that's hard for people because they want to show that they have it all together and they don't want to seem like, because they, they would consider that to be weak, especially, you know, people who consider themselves really masculine, you know. But that when you have it all together, that means, you know, first it doesn't exist. It, that's lying to oneself, right? And other people. But also, it doesn't make you the best teacher of other people because the parent who's always like, daddy's great today. And the teacher who's always like, Mr. Brackett is feeling fabulous today, right? That is not being real because life is a roller coaster of emotions. And so the more, you know, real you can be and the more you can demonstrate your comfort level speaking about feelings and then using strategies to regulate them, to me, that's that's the that's the golden ticket. Yeah. Perfect. Mark, this has been wonderful. I just want to say that the work that you're doing is so important. And I'm so glad that I've had an op- had the opportunity to share it on my platform. So thanks. Thank you so much. Great to meet you. And before you go, I just want to mention to everybody, um, for those of you who want to learn more about Mark or and purchase his book, you can visit markbracket.com. That's bracket with a double T. And I will add the link in the description box below. Marcus, do you have any closing thoughts? No, just thank you. And I hope that uh, you can help support the emotion revolution that we need so badly. Oh, I'm there with you, Mark. I am. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You have a great day. Nice to meet you, Celine. Thank you. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed what you just heard, please subscribe to my podcast and feel free to share it with your friends and family. Take care and speak soon.